0: Well, I think if, if most of us were going to be totally honest, we would have to admit that a lot of times when we pray, our, our prayers are kind of self-focused, aren't they? We tend to pray when we want God to give us something or do something for us, or, or if we're really spiritual, we pray for God to do something in the life of someone else, maybe someone we love or a church member or something like that. And so, so a lot of our prayers tend to be focused on physical things, don't they? I mean, think about it. What do we pray for? We pray for God to heal us or heal someone else. We pray for Him to provide for our needs. We might pray for Him to, to give us a new job if we're out of work. Um, all those kind of things. And, and they're really kind of self-centered. And, and they're focused on what I want. Sometimes, and there's nothing wrong with praying those things. Real honest, we ought to pray those things. Sometimes we take it one more step than that. We, we make our own plans and then we say, God, would you bless my plans? Now, I'm not sure that's quite so smart, but but we tend to do that, right? That's why in this sermon series that we're in right now, Dangerous Prayers, we've been looking at some prayers that are dangerous because they're focused more on what God wants for my life rather than what I want for my life. And, and because of that, some of these prayers are what we would call dangerous prayers. We've looked at two of them already, right? We looked at the prayer, Search Me. Looked at that a couple of weeks ago, and we saw... That's a really dangerous prayer because when I pray that prayer, search me, what I'm doing is I'm opening up my life and I'm asking God to to reveal those blind spots in my life. I'm asking Him to reveal those those hidden sins in my life. And once He does that, I now have a responsibility to do something about that once God's revealed it, right? And so I think there's a lot of Christians that are afraid to to pray that prayer because they really don't want to do anything about those things in their life. And then last week, we looked at what I think is undoubtedly the hardest prayer of the three that we're looking at, and that was the prayer to break me. And we saw that when we pray that prayer, what we're doing is we're asking God to come into our lives and to use us however He wants, regardless of the cost. Just like when when Mary broke that alabaster flask and she poured out everything. She didn't hold anything back. And again, I think that's a prayer that, that not a lot of us are willing to pray because Frankly, we're a little scared of what God might ask us to do sometimes. And so we don't don't want to pray that prayer. This morning we're going to look at a third prayer. It's a, a prayer that's found in Isaiah chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up there. We're going to be looking at uh, the first eight verses there in just a moment. But it's a it's a prayer that's dangerous. It's a prayer, send me. And it's dangerous because if I pray that prayer, what I'm telling God is that that I'm willing for Him to to send me wherever He wants to send me. And that might be a scary prayer to pray, right? Because if I pray that prayer, what God might send me to another city somewhere. He might cause me to go to a different job somewhere. He might even, like He did in my life, do something completely unexpected and call you to be a pastor someday. I didn't see that coming at all when I prayed this prayer. And so it it's this dangerous prayer. And, and so this morning we want to kind of talk about that, but before I do that, I want to kind of talk about, in general, what ways that we respond to God's call in our life. And in order to do that, I probably need to identify or to define what a call is and how I'm using that word. So, so here's a definition I found this week. I think it's pre- pretty good. It's A call is God's initiative to bring people to Jesus and to participate in His redemptive work in the world. And there's really two parts to that call. There's a, what I would call a general call. This is a call that goes out to all of mankind to, to come to Jesus, to put our faith in Jesus. It's probably best expressed by this familiar verse that probably all of us know, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, and here's the, here's the call, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. So what God does, He calls all of mankind and says, if you come and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you believe in Him, then you will receive eternal life. And thankfully, I'm pretty sure that most of you joining us this morning, you've already made that decision in your life. You've responded to that call on your life. And that's great, because until you respond to that call, you can't respond to the other kind of call, which is what I'm going to call a specific call. And a specific call is is something that's unique just to you. It's a place where God might call you to serve, a, a place that God might call you to go. He's given you unique talents and gifts and abilities that He wants you to use for His kingdom, and so your specific call is going to look different than my specific call. And there's really three different ways that we can respond to that now. I want to be really clear here, this whole idea for this sermon series came from a pastor named Craig Groeschel, he's from Life Church, and he also wrote a book by the same name, Dangerous Prayers, and over the last few weeks I've been kind of looking at his sermons and and getting some ideas, but frankly I've chosen to kind of go some different directions than he did with his particular sermons. But I'll be realized this week, he, he really hit the nail on the head as far as I'm concerned. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of use some of the points that he made in his sermon, even though I'm going to kind of put my own spin on them. And that's really true when it comes to these three ways that we can respond to God's call on our life. I'm going to use the, the three that, that he had, and I think they're, they're really um, useful for us. The first way that I can respond to God's call is to say this, Here I am, God. I'm not going. In the Bible, who do we have that did that? Jonah, right? Isn't that what Jonah did? Jonah, God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach to people there. And Jonah says, not going, God. So God sends a big fish and swallows up Jonah. And Jonah spends three days there and he finally says, okay, I'll go. I'm not too happy about this, God, but I'll go. Before we're too quick to condemn Jonah, let's face it, have we done the same thing in our own lives at times, right? that God comes along, He calls us to do something, and we just say, God, I'm not going. And then sometimes God has to come into our life. I, I don't know of anybody that I know of personally that's been swallowed by a large fish, but I do know that God's had to do some things in the lives of people to, to get them to do what He wants them to do. That, so that's probably not a really good response, is it? Here's the second response. Here I am, send someone else. That's Moses. Moses. Remember, God comes to Moses there in the burning bush, and he says, Moses, I want you to go and free my people from bondage in in Egypt. And Moses says, you know, God, I'm not really good with words. How about, why don't you send my brother Aaron? He's pretty good with words. Well, Moses eventually comes around, but I think we do the same thing sometimes, don't we? We see a need within the body of Christ, or there's an opportunity for service, and our first reaction is, God sends someone else. So that's a possibility. There's a third possibility, the one that we want to really focus on this morning, and that is, here I am, send me. That's what we're going to see in Isaiah this morning. That Isaiah, when God calls him, that's how Isaiah responds, send me. We see it particularly in verse 8. We're going to come back and look at the rest of the beginning of the chapter in a moment, but I want to focus for a minute on verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, this is Isaiah, here I am, send me. And what we see this morning is that 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 was a dangerous prayer. Notice what Isaiah doesn't do here. He doesn't say, God, if, if you want to show me where you're going to send me, then I'll kind of decide whether I'm going to go there. He doesn't say, you know, God, I'll go anywhere as long as they have sunshine and And beaches and, uh, you know, nice restaurants and stuff like that. He says, no, God, you send me wherever I want, wherever you want, and I'll go there. And so here's what we're going to learn this morning about this prayer, send me, that when I pray, send me, I'm essentially giving God a blank check and offering to let him use me however he wants. And I think we can see why that's a dangerous prayer, right? We're not going to put any preconditions on it. We're not going to give God conditions and say, God, if you do this, then I'll go. No, we're just saying, God, go ahead, send me, use me, however you want. And that's what Isaiah does here. But he doesn't doesn't do that in a vacuum. There's some things that occur here in the first part of of Isaiah chapter 6 that really prepare the way for Isaiah to be able to pray that prayer. What what, What we might call three prerequisites for praying that prayer. So go ahead, uh, look in Isaiah 6. If you have your Bibles out, I'm going to read the first eight chapters. You can uh, also see the verses on the screen, but you can follow along as I read. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two He covered His face, with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. As we look at that that passage this morning we see that there are really these these three things that we have to do before we're prepared to pray this prayer God send me. The first one is that I need to have a genuine encounter with God's presence. A genuine encounter with God's presence. It's hard to tell exactly based on the structure of the book of Isaiah but It appears that Isaiah's already been ministering as a prophet for a period of time. He's been going around Judah, and he's been pronouncing woes upon the people, but now the king of Judah, Uzziah, he dies. And it throws the nation into turmoil, as you might expect. And in the midst of that turmoil, Isaiah realizes, he says, you know, I'm not going to be able to minister until I first go hear from God. I want to make sure that God has me exactly where He wants me to be. I want to be obedient to Him, whatever that might mean. So he decides to go to the temple. Now, in that day, that's where God's presence was manifest. Obviously, God was never limited to a building. He's still not limited to a building today. But that's where the people would go to experience the presence of God. So he goes to the temple because he expects to experience God's presence there. And when he's there, he has this vision. And in this vision, he sees God on his throne. And there are these angels around the throne and they're singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. We know in Hebrew literature that this idea of repeating a word three times like that, it's used for emphasis. And so what these angels are saying, not only is God holy, He's amazingly holy. He's holy beyond anything that you could ever expect. Anything that you can imagine. That's how holy God is. And in the one other place in the Scripture where we're kind of given a a glimpse into the throne room of God, we see the same thing in Revelation chapter 4. The angels are there. What do they sing? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And so Isaiah, he goes there because he understands he needs to have this encounter with God's presence before he's going to be able to pray this prayer. God, send me. And the same thing is true for us today. Now, God, if He wants... He could he could give you a vision like the one Isaiah had. I, I'm totally believe God could do that, but I also know that in this time and day He doesn't normally do that. That's not normally the way God reveals Himself to us, right? He reveals Himself primarily through the Bible, through His Word, and so once again we find out that that. Why it's so important for us to be spending time consistently in His Word. We need to be reading His Word. We need to be asking every time we open up the Bible, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you let me understand who you are? But I think there's also a a time when we have to do like Isaiah did. We have to sometimes just get away from all the distractions of the world and get to a nice, quiet place where God can just speak to us through His Holy Spirit. Where we're free of all the other distractions of the world. I remember one of the first times that I really began to understand why this was so important. It's early in our in our married life that Mary and I and the kids we went to a a family conference, a navigators conference in Glen Erie, which is near Colorado Springs. Beautiful area. The, The grounds there are immaculate. It's surrounded by forests with streams and and trees. Just beautiful rock formations. And to be real honest, I know the conference itself was probably really good, but I don't remember any of the sessions or anything like that, but here's what I remember. We, get, we were given some free time every day just to take our Bibles and to go out in nature and have just some quiet time with God. And I don't know about you, but for me, being out in nature like that is just a way to really kind of get away from everything and listen to God. For me, that's my favorite place. Yours might be something else. I mean, even today, I still do that, whether it's walking up and down a stream in the mountains with a fishing rod in my hand, and maybe if I catch some fish, fine, but if not, I can just have a conversation with God. A lot of times, I like to go up to Catalina State Park and just hike one of the trails there by myself on a day when there's not a lot of people there, and just look at God's creation and allow Him to speak to me. Like I say, your way might be different, but, but we have to have those times where we can encounter God's presence in our life and that's the first thing I'd say it did the second thing he did is that he had this genuine awareness of his sinfulness I mean as soon as he gets in the presence of God and he sees how holy God is he recognizes how unholy he is and that's going to be true for us once we see who God is once we understand that he's holy beyond anything that we could ever imagine we're going to understand just how sinful we are And that's what Isaiah did. He understood that, that compared to God's holiness, he was so unholy. He'd been out there for, we don't know exactly how long, but he'd been walking around Judah and he'd been proclaiming woes on all the other people out there. And as soon as he sees God, what does he say? Woe is what? Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, I'm lost. He understood that compared to God, he was so unholy and that there was, there was nothing that, that he could do about that. And there's a sense in which we need to do the same thing. We need to understand that compared to God, that we're sinful, that we're unholy. I think one of the biggest lies in our culture today is that, that people are generally good people. You've heard people say that, right? Now, if you were here two weeks ago, we looked at Isaiah, or Isaiah Jeremiah chapter 17, and in Jeremiah chapter 17, it says that the heart is what? Anyone remember? Yeah, it's deceitful, it's desperately wicked, it's sick. That's your heart, and that's my heart, and when we see God, that's what we begin to understand. And until we understand that, we're not going to be able to pray this prayer, me. You know Why? Because we're going to try to do things in our own strength and our own power. We're going to come up with our own plans and we're going to try to do them on their own. And when we run into some roadblocks and God's trying to show us that that's not His way, we're going to be stubborn and we're going to try to hang on to those things. It's not until we recognize our own sinfulness before God that we're able to pray this prayer. God, send me. Third thing here that Isaiah does as he experiences a genuine understanding of God's grace. ah, That's the great part, isn't it? And notice what happens here. Once he admits his sinfulness, what does Isaiah do to overcome his sinfulness? Nothing, right? He sits there, and who has, who has to take care of his sin? God does it. God sends one of the angels and takes a coal, there and and with a pair of tongs and puts it on his lips and, and says, your sin has been cleansed. Your sin has been atoned for. And this is a beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We can't do anything about our own sin, but Jesus comes into our life and he says, I'll die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. I'll give you my grace. I'll give you this free gift of eternal life. What you have to do is you just have to receive it by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And like we say almost every week, if you've never done that, we want to encourage you to do that today. Don't wait any longer. Because until you do that, you can't pray this prayer, send me. One of the things we see here about God's grace is that it changes everything, doesn't it? When we really begin to understand God's grace, we no longer go around and say, well, man, I have to do this for God, and God wants me to do that, and I don't really want to do that. What happens is when we see God's grace, we go, oh man, I get to serve God. Jesus wants to include me with the work that He's doing here on this earth, and He's called me to be a part of that, and I get the privilege of doing that. You see how grace changes everything? So we've seen this morning that when I pray, send me that I'm giving God this blank check and I'm offering to let him use me however he wants and I I hope and I pray that that's a prayer that you will pray today but not just today it's a prayer that we have to pray day after day isn't it we don't just pray that prayer once and get like I showed the kids this morning you don't just Look at that first instruction and figure out where you're going. Today, God may only show you the first step. And tomorrow you pray, God, send me again. He shows you another step. And it's a dangerous prayer because God might send you someplace you never expected. He might call you to just pick up your roots and go somewhere else. He did that in the Bible in a lot of places. So it's a dangerous prayer to pray. But it's also one that helps us to grow closer to God, isn't it? Which is really the purpose of all these dangerous prayers. Now I want to close this morning, I want to share with you a little bit about my own experience with this prayer, send me. And I'm not doing that to try to call attention to myself because believe me, throughout my life, I have not applied this prayer perfectly. I haven't prayed it perfectly. In some cases, I haven't done it well at all. I've totally blown it. But I want to bring attention to To God and to show you how that if you're willing to pray this prayer send me that that God can use you in some ways that you might never have dreamed of I remember when God first began to call me into a time of vocational ministry and and I started off on the wrong foot right away because I figured God I know how I'm going to do this how I'm going to do this and so there was a church here in town a pretty large church and and it had an opening for an executive pastor. And at that point in time, based on my background in business and, and accounting and land development some of the other things that I'd done, it seemed like a perfect fit for me. So I'm like, yeah, God, I'll go ahead and I'll apply for this job. Now, I didn't ask God about that. I just figured that was the way to go. And I didn't get hired for the job, which turned out to be a great blessing. Because had I done that, I'd, I don't believe that I'd be where God wants me to be today. So I learned from that experience. And so I began to pray, God, just send me wherever you want to send me. And now I know God has a really good sense of humor because you know the first place that God sent, God sent me to be a pastor, or a minister? To the Korean Baptist Church here in Tucson. Now, I don't speak a word of Korean, believe me. If someone's speaking, I couldn't even tell you that was it. And I also got to tell you that every week when I went had to walk through Fellowship Hall and smell the smell of kimchi, that just wasn't real attractive to me. So I'm like, God, you have a really good sense of humor here. But you know what? As I spent some time there ministering, I I primarily ministered to those in the congregation who spoke English, which was good. Um, twice I got to preach with the Korean pastor translating and I have no idea what he was saying. You know, so that's kind of a scary thing. But these men, these, they were mostly men who had been military, who had been in the Korean War and they'd married Korean women. They spoke English. And they were, they, they were from a culture that was totally unlike my own. And God used that time to, to mold me. And to prepare me for what he had down the road. And when I finally left that place. Man I, I hated to leave those people there. It was hard. I left there to go pastor a little small church. Out on the southwest side of town. It felt like that's where God was calling me to go next. And it was, it was pretty tough. That, it was a small church. And like Southern Baptist churches at the time. They had a. Sunday morning service, a Sunday night service, and a Wednesday night prayer meeting. And I was supposed to preach on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and have a devotional on Wednesday. I was also supposed to teach the youth Sunday school class, prepare for a vacation Bible school in the summer, and then, of course, they wanted me to visit all of them on a regular basis. And they offered to pay me for 20 hours a week to do all that. Well, I worked another job. So it was, it was kind of tough, to be real honest. Thirty-five miles from my house, one way to the church. And it became apparent after a while that that, that wasn't a real good fit for them. I wasn't a, probably a good fit for them. It wasn't really a good fit for me. And so I resigned there at the church. And for a long time, I just assumed that I'd totally missed God on this. You know, that I'd just blown it, that I'd just gone ahead and done this on my own. But as I look back now, I see how God was using that. He was, he was putting me in a place where I wasn't really comfortable. He taught me a lot of things about ministering to people that I probably would have never learned anywhere else. And so, looking back now, I believe I was where God wanted me to be. So, so when I resigned there, I really didn't have another ministry position. We were, Mary and I and the kids—we were just going to church and. An acquaintance of mine came to me one day and says, Hey, Pat, I'm starting this new church up in Oro Valley. Would you come help me with this church plant? So I prayed about it. I feel like, okay, God, this is the next step. You know, go ahead and send me. I'll I'll take this. And about three months later, this guy moves to Florida. And they say, oh, Pat, now you're in charge of this church plant here. I never planted a church before. And our sponsoring church at the time, they were really unhealthy. So they didn't give us a whole lot of help. And so, man, I stuck with it for several years. I don't even remember how many. It was a lot. We, we met in all these different schools, and we had to set up every Sunday and, and go through all that, and, and it, was, it was tough, man. The church was kind of up and down, up and down, up and down. So we finally, at the one spring, we said, look, over the summer, let's just, let's just meet at our home and pray about what God wants us to do next. We were actually doing the Experiencing God. I still remember the Experiencing God study by Henry Blackaby, if any of you are familiar with that. And we're going through this, and and one day that summer I get a phone call from Denny Howard. Now, for those of you who who don't know, Denny was the pastor here before I was here. And at that time, Thornydale was kind of struggling, and, and they were kind of looking for another church that might be willing to partner with them. And so again, prayed about this and, and worked through it and eventually came on board here and and uh, Denny was in the process of retiring and so eventually became the full-time pastor here. A few weeks, well not a few weeks, a few years ago, I was praying this prayer again, God send me. And it became really apparent to me that, that God wants me to be here for a while longer, but it, also it's time to make a transition here at Thornydale and bring in some younger, newer leadership here that can take this church to the, the next season that God has for it. And so I, I'm really blessed to be able to work alongside Ryan. I, I still believe that Ryan is... I prayed about God, who is it? And God kept bringing Ryan to mind. I believe Ryan's the, the man who can really do that. And so I'm looking forward to, to working with him as long as God will have me here. But I want to continue to to pray that prayer each day. God, would you send me? It's a dangerous prayer. All these prayers that we've looked at, they're all dangerous prayers, aren't they? Search me, break me, send me. If you pray those prayers, I'm not going to guarantee you that it's going to be an easy road. I mean, I look back along the road that, that God took me, and there were some tough times in there, but I would not trade them for anything in the world because I believe that God had me exactly where He wanted me to be during those times. And I know this, I can promise you this, that if you pray these prayers, it may not be easy, but the great news is that God will have you exactly where He wants you to be, and that you'll have the privilege of joining with Him and telling other people about Jesus and helping them to grow in their walk with Him. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for Your Word. Thanks for the way it challenges us. Father, it gets us out of our comfort zone, and boy, if If there's ever a series that's done that in my life, it's been these last four weeks, Father. I pray that would be the case for all of us, that you would really challenge us to pray these prayers, to stretch us in our walk with you, to take us to places that we might never have imagined, and to use us in ways that would be for your glory and our good. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.